we were jealous of one another. Uh, we wanted what the other one had, or we didn't want to share what we had. Uh, typical sibling things that all of you, either with siblings or perhaps with children, I'm sure can recognize uh, that story. And my sister and I are really similar in lots of ways, but we're also really different in lots of ways too. And one of the ways in which we are very different is about chocolate. Bear with me. At Easter, when we'd get our Easter eggs, uh, mine would be gone very quickly. Within a few days, not a morsel was left to be seen. My sister, however, would make her Easter eggs last literally for weeks. They would sit there, wrapped in that beautiful shiny foil on top of the fridge, just taunting me. Mine all gone and hers sitting there. And every now and then, Beth would take down her Easter egg, unwrap it carefully, check to make sure that nobody had gone in and taken any of it while she wasn't looking, and then break off a small piece and enjoy the morsel. And back the egg would go, on top of the fridge, without so much as a crumb coming in my direction. It was agony. And that was a painful lesson for me to learn, that we each had been given the same amount of chocolate eggs, and just because I had eaten mine quickly, it didn't mean that Beth had to share hers with me, no matter how much I wanted her to. I did eventually learn to keep some of my Easter egg back too, to enjoy a little more slowly, but they never ever lasted quite as long as Beth's, no matter how hard I tried. But I did learn the lesson at least a little. And here in chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is busy teaching the disciples an important life lesson. Not about chocolate, but an important lesson nonetheless. Uh, he has been teaching them before this passage that we read today about how to treat each other, how to get along with one another, uh, what to do when you fall out with each other. If you were here last week, you'd have heard Lansford's sermon on that. He's just told the parable of the lost sheep, and he moved on to tell them that actually even when they fall out, they have to find a way to get along. And then Peter, being quite an intelligent man, thought about what this might mean. He'd worked it through about the consequences of it. They were going to have to live together, even when they'd fallen out with each other. That, of course, would mean that they were going to have to forgive each other. That they were going to have to move on from the arguments that they'd had. And so he asks this question. How many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven, he wonders. I can almost hear Peter asking the question. They've been taught how to deal with it when they fall out. And so now he thinks, okay, seven times. That's a reasonable amount of forgiveness to give, isn't it? Surely there's a limit. I'll forgive to a point. And so he chooses what he considers to be a generous amount of forgiving to do. Seven times. That seems like more than enough forgiving to Peter. It's a big number in his mind. Imagine then just how shocked he might have been when Jesus turned around and said, no, no, Peter, not seven times. Seventy-seven times. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, stop counting. Stop keeping track of the amount of forgiving you're doing. If Peter's seven is a big number, 
Jesus' 77 is an extravagant one. Peter wants to make it easy, straightforward, easy to understand. He wants to quantify how much forgiveness he has to do. I think that's an attitude that we can have some sympathy with. I think if I had taken my sister's Easter egg down off that fridge seven times and eaten it all before she'd got a chance, by the time I got to the eighth, she might not have been feeling quite so forgiving. As he always does, Jesus turns all our expectations, our understandings, upside down. And this exchange between Peter and Jesus challenges the way that we think about forgiveness. It's not something to be done once, an action to be taken in a particular circumstance. It's not something to even be done seven times. It's a way of being. It's an attitude to have as we live in the world. But that, of course, is easier said than done. When we are hurt by the words or the actions of others, we don't naturally leap into a posture of forgiveness. We are far more likely to want to lash out, to hurt others in return, or perhaps to be defensive, to turn away, to walk away and end the relationship. And that's why forgiveness is a practice. It's something that we need to put on again and again in our lives, in our relationships. I'm not standing here pretending that it's easy. Forgiveness is hard. I know that from my own experiences of life, and you will know it from your experiences in life. And no one can force another person to forgive. We can only forgive when we're ready. Sometimes that can take years, and often we need God's help to enable us to forgive. And there are many things in this world that to us might feel unforgivable. Most of us won't experience, I hope, things in life that will break us. Break us to a point where we struggle to see light and joy and struggle to forgive. Most of us haven't had a family member murdered or lost someone in a terrorist attack or been attacked and left with life-changing injuries. Though, of course, some of us and many people in the world have experienced those things and the many other horrific ways that we hurt one another. But whether or not we've experienced those big, unbearable pains, we have all been hurt, been injured in some way by another. We have all experienced the pain that comes from an unkind word or a hurtful action. And so to be clear, I'm not saying that you have to forgive anyone else. I'm not trying to force your hand or twist your arm. But what I am saying is that Jesus teaches us that when we can forgive, we are changed. We are transformed. That the more often that we forgive, the more able we are to forgive. Forgiveness can become for us a well-worn path. And it gets easier to walk down that path the more often we take the journey to forgiveness. Forgiveness can change us, it can change others, and it can change our relationships. However, when we forgive, it doesn't mean that the other person shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. And Jesus tells a parable straight after this conversation with Peter that I think helps us to understand that forgiveness needs to go hand in hand with justice. 
In the story, there's a servant who owes a huge sum of money, 10,000 bags of gold, which at the time, according to the commentaries, would have taken about 3,000 years to earn. It's an unbelievable sum. In today's money, billions of pounds. And so when the king tells the servant to settle his account, unsurprisingly, he can't pay. And so he begs the king, please be patient with me. And the king does this unbelievable thing in response. In an act of extravagant forgiveness, he cancels the debt and let the man go. And what does the servant do in response? Well, when he comes across a fellow servant who owes him just 100 silver coins, about three months' wages at the time, he demands payment. And when it isn't forthcoming, the fellow servant is promptly sent to prison. Not exactly sharing the good fortune that he has received, is he, this unforgiving servant? Well, this doesn't sit well with the rest of the servants. They see what has happened and know that it's unjust, even if it is lawful. And so they go and see the king and tell him what's been going on. Well, as we heard, the story does not end well for that unforgiving servant. He lands up in jail himself, paying off his own debt in a horrible way. His reckoning comes upon him. This is a difficult parable. The narrative swings back and forth between extreme mercy and severe judgment. Underneath it all, though, perhaps is a simple reality. Forgiveness is not easy. It's easier said than done. Matthew's gospel emphasizes the importance of forgiveness in the lives of individuals and for the health of communities. And yet Matthew also tells us that justice matters too. That there is and there needs to be accountability for harmful actions and abuses of power. We don't always have the power in our hands, do we, to bring justice about. But we know that God does. And sometimes we have to leave it in God's hands. And that can be almost as hard as forgiving. But it's part of the practice of our faith. What the unforgiving servant missed was that the extravagant forgiveness that he had received obligated him not toward the king, but in relation to others. What was now asked of him, having been so amazingly forgiven? Well, it was to extend grace and forgiveness outwards, towards others. He is to pay it forwards, to use a modern phrase, not back. As those who have benefited from the generous mercy and forgiveness of God, all of us, each and every single one, we too are called to extend generous mercy and forgiveness to others. We are called to walk the path of forgiveness over and over again without keeping count. It's not an easy task. But if we can choose to follow the way that Jesus has walked before us, it will transform our lives and the lives of those around us. Amen. We're going to sing now a 